1: To start winning. Aaron Rodgers looking for Devante Adams. He's got it. DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone.
0: Jonathan Taylor touchdown. Pass is caught. Drinks.
1: Touchdown. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio. Brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter. Head over to Martin, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, it is Sean Siegel. Sean, we're into the 300s now in terms of the podcast episodes after last week's edition. Uh, on Thursday last week we went over episode 300, but uh, it was a real fun week of NFL action in week six. I'm kind of battling here. Uh, I'm getting a bit too old for nights out with friends but uh battling through a little bit of a sore throat here but hopefully we we get through it for for today's show but sean week six we um had a a lot of fun a lot of our players having big games we'll be talking about some of them today but i think we probably started off with somebody who's not on a lot of our rosters and uh continues to have big days i have to give a a shout out to derrick henry (laughs) who i don't know how long this is going to continue for so six weeks through the season 783 yards 16 receptions which is boosting that quite nicely and uh, followed with just the 10 touchdowns i believe that's his second game now with uh, three touchdowns so uh, if he was a soccer player we call saying they had a hat trick but pretty uh, incredible stuff here from derrick henry so far
2: it has been and the ability to continue to break off these long runs i mean derrick henry is basically jonathan taylor with a lot more opportunity. Right, so we're seeing these big plays from him. Obviously, in the game last night, we have the 83-yard touchdown run, and he puts up the fastest time of the season for any ball carrier. So that's with the ball in their hands. Now, when you break off a long run, you have a better opportunity there. You get a long streak to get up to speed and hit that top level. But that's exactly what we like to see: is someone who can't be caught from behind. And Derrick Henry, for all of his size when he gets going, I mean, you cannot catch him from behind. He just he just pulled away from the Buffalo Bills defensive backs there and, and turned that into sort of a, a silly play. It was very Chris Johnson-esque. We've talked a lot about how Derrick Henry really is a small back in a big back's body. And while there are some times that he gets tackled at the line of scrimmage where other big backs might not, this is mostly just a pure compliment, right? Because if you can have that – little back ability to make some guys miss early and then you have a long speed, but you have a long speed where, you know, if you do have to hit somebody in the secondary, you can do that and keep going. I mean, it's just, he's an absolute terror. Right. And so one of the things I've been thinking about a little bit with Henry, because I think this is an important thing to do, right. We want to look at whether or not we were wrong on the direction or whether or not we were unlucky. And I think that there's kind of a fine line between being right and being wrong on Henry for people who are not drafting him. Now, people who were drafting him are right and they're right in a way that matters because he's in their line of two scoring points. He's leading them to fantasy wins. And so that's the true case of being right about him. If you were off and you were off because his opportunity profile didn't provide the upside to have him really be realistically drafted in that range and have it be a good pick, then I think there are still some things where you're kind of right about that. Okay. Because one of the things that Henry is doing is he's having an historic season. If you have someone who doesn't kind of fit the profile that you need, and then they go do something that hasn't been done before, that's not something you can necessarily hold against yourself as a fantasy manager. At the same time, One of the things that we talk a lot about on this show, we talk a lot about on Stealing Bananas is that it's very easy to be overconfident in how we think players are going to perform. And it's very easy to get overly locked into what we think someone's role is. And I think there's kind of the combination of those two things happening here to where not enough credit was assigned purely to this element where Derrick Henry is a star. And I think for me, I've been a little bit slow coming around to this. We talked on the show about one of the best things that you can have as a fantasy manager is the ability to come off of your wrong takes or beliefs that you have, predictions that you had that were incorrect and the evidence was there to show that they were incorrect. Get off of that. Pick up someone like Kadarius Tony. Now, that you know didn't work out this week because he leaves the game early, but Getting off of the idea that there were some huge flaws in his profile when he very quickly shows that he's going to be a target hog right off the bat the first time that he hits an opportunity, you want to chase that. And then if you end up being wrong again a, a second time, at least the price on that isn't something that's debilitating to you. But you've got you've to move, right, if you're wrong. You can't just sit back and continue to be wrong. That's not going to serve you well at all. You're going to lose as a result. And one of the things that we saw with Henry was this very slow build into his NFL career where I mean several seasons in he looked like a bust right and people were saying oh you could have had you know the the Dallas Cowboys they could have had a star defender to help that lousy defense plus Derrick Henry as opposed to having Ezekiel Elliott and then whomever you take in the second round that looked a little questionable because Elliott was so good and Henry was so mediocre and so sometimes These things play out in a little bit slower fashion. Now, that's not usually the case with stars, right? We're seeing guys break out very quickly. We're we're even seeing that at the wide receiver position. This was a big week for Jalen Waddell. Jamar Chase, again, gets behind the defense. He is tackled from behind on the play this week. Doesn't get the long touchdown that he has been getting. We're seeing these breakouts very, very early. The impact players tend to be impact players. But just because that's the case doesn't mean that you can stick to your evaluation of him as a college player, your evaluation of him as two, through two years, your evaluation of him as someone who is mostly a volume-based back as we continue to gain evidence that he's a star. And then I think at the end of last season, there's a little bit of the case where his schedule is so soft that you're like, well, wow. I mean, anybody who is going to be able to get that many opportunities against that week of opponents, and we even saw with David Montgomery that he blows up against weak teams. And so you're thinking, okay, well, again, there are some extenuating circumstances here. And even we talked on the show about through the first month of the season, Derrick Henry's schedule, again, very, very soft. And so you're thinking, okay, well, he's going to go against the Bills. The Bills have a very good defense. This is the first bad matchup that he has faced. The Bills, I mean, the Titans do get A.J. Brown back. They do get Julio Jones back. Both of those guys made a couple of plays in this game. And a couple of plays was really all it took in the end to be the plays that were just enough to make that difference. So there was more than just Henry that they had to face on, like, a couple of teams in the previous weeks so where it really was just Henry. But you're thinking, okay, Buffalo is going to take him away. And again, we saw plenty of stuffs. But what we saw also was the Titans creating some massive holes and Henry running through them. Henry now has beaten an elite defense and beaten him in such a massive fashion that not only put an avalanche of fantasy points, but he won the reality game, essentially. Now, I mean, we also have the situation here where the Bills really blew some key plays. You know, Josh Allen slips, doesn't get the key fourth down. And Buffalo still probably should have won this game. If he played this game 10 times, I think Buffalo probably wins nine of them. But what Henry is doing here, and one of the things that we have touched on, his continued ability to not only stay healthy, right, in the way of being able to go out there and play, but he's not even getting nicked up, right? I mean, he's being able to go out there and take these big workloads. And that's helpful because as soon as these guys start to get the nicks. As soon as you have the, you know, the minor, you know, say someone's out three weeks with a knee injury, you know, when they come back, you know, what percentage of 100% are they? Some somebody misses a couple of games with the ankle. One of the things, as a Saquon Barkley manager right now, it's this huge push and pull that you're experiencing because you're thinking, I've got to get him back. I mean, they've got to play him, or by the time he's back, it'll be too late. At the same time, you're thinking, you know, if they go back early with him, then I'm going to get someone who is the injured version. He's not going to be worth as much in each of those games. And the chance for aggravation is so high. And then I won't have him again when he's out there. So, I mean, there's this huge value for someone who is going through healthy like this. And so I think when we talk so much about focusing on the talent, that it was a mistake and it was being wrong to not be on Henry here. Is that the way that you're sort of looking at I know that, you know, we don't expect to be right every time but we do want to change on some of these people where you know and not actually change but change for the perspective of admit that we were wrong as opposed to just say oh you know we're getting unlucky here that he's making all these big runs
1: yeah no i would agree the one thing i would say is if we went back to draft time and we kind of knew obviously if we knew what we knew now he would probably be going at the 101 but if we were doing our process again there's a good chance that we would end up going maybe in a slightly different direction even again like when we get to next season i think we'll probably have similar thoughts because we'll have more wear and tear on his body but his body seems to just recover at miraculous rates and everyone else's body breaks down (laughs) that he bumps into but um like a lot of the stuff that you mentioned and i think the first two years could be part of it like over those first two years i'm just looking he had like in his first three seasons he had four 100 yard games and that time no 1000 yard seasons in the first two seasons and then if we look at what he's done since that like you know he's he's really blowing up but he has been phenomenal like over this first six weeks this is like all-time historic pace like you mentioned so if he can maintain this um it's going to be it's going to be incredible it has like i'm not you know how i have derek henry on zero teams uh <laughs> i've traded him away on any teams i had but It has been fun to watch him this year, even though he's not on our rosters. Um, He's just looked absolutely incredible. And I was actually doing him a disservice when I said he had two, three touchdown games this season so far. He actually has three (laughs) on the season. So uh, just uh, phenomenal stuff from him. And again, the counterpart of that is a lot of the stuff we were expecting to happen in this offense was around A.J. Brown. So uh, a little bit of, uh, you know, feels, feels a little bit tough at this stage. But we're six weeks in. We'll see how the the rest of the season plays out but it would be very interesting to go back in time and to make that decision again because i still think we probably would lean towards the other options like a player we would have possibly looked at the running back position taking there is jonathan taylor and while henry is you know outpacing him and pretty much all stats you mentioned about the workload probably driving that more so for henry like taylor is pretty much getting half the workload but has half the stats if we look at it that way um but henry has is off to a phenomenal start so let, let's hope I, I love seeing players you know have those kind of historic periods of their career and I, I feel like henry is in that at the moment and a lot of teams will lean on that player and say we're going to give him that opportunity there's not many teams who just solely give their running back the work that Derek henry has got over the last you know Over the last probably three seasons but over the last six weeks in particular so we'll see because they're they're obviously a team that's is likely heading towards the playoffs as well i mentioned jonathan taylor but before i get to that i do want to mention in case we don't get to them on this the bills stefan diggs obviously a big part of the buffalo bills uh offense big part of our conversations on this show i did put the clip into last wednesday's episode about who you know maybe we should put in you said Jonathan Taylor so Jonathan Taylor made it and after that point on Sean's suggestion there was a uproar I guess we'll say that Stefan Diggs hadn't made it and so Diggs for anyone listening to venture on the way into today's show will have heard that Stefan Diggs is in there as well and um, so um, just wanted to, to clear that up thanks to everyone who sent in those suggestions and thanks for everyone who corrected me I guess and the mistake not to have Diggs in there but Uh, Before we talk in the second half of the show about tight ends, I do want to touch on Jonathan Taylor as well, Sean. He's somebody we've talked about a lot. A little bit of a slow start to the season, uh, you know, in the first opening weeks, and you know, questions around the Colts offense and how things were going. They were playing the Houston Texans, but the offense did look better, Wentz looked better, but another nice game for for Taylor, who just looks fantastic. You know, I mentioned about the workload that Henry's getting. Usually, in that twenty to twenty six carries a week for Henry, we're seeing Taylor get. know 15 16 carries a week he had 14 this past week and I've kept saying just give him more work give him the ball more 145 yards two touchdowns for him this week Uh, the 83 yard run that he had uh, in this one um, is the longest play of the season in terms of a rushing play so far I did see an interesting stat where uh, since the 2018 season uh, there's five players including him who have had two plays of 76 yards or more um over a whole season so he has done that through six weeks so we're starting to see obviously the explosive plays as well um i i would be kind of betting on him doing that possibly another time or two before the end of the season but he just looks fantastic uh at this uh, at this moment in time and again i know we're kind of they're always gonna be tied together him and uh, edwards lair but you know what what could he be in that chiefs offense is something that we'll probably ponder for the rest of our day sean but um I think if you have Jonathan Taylor on your rosters, you have to be very, very positive. Again, I, I mentioned the fact that possibly still I would take him over over uh, Henry, given the, the choice. How, how do you feel about that?
2: Yeah, I think that you would have to take him again. The, because again, we're working with some different things. One of the things with Henry is that he were, if he were scoring like 22 points a game instead of what he was doing, then it'd be easier to say, oh, you know we were right and now he's just kind of at the top end of the range ignoring the fact that you know you make some claims like that and don't think about well the top end of the range actually was much much higher he we still would have been wrong but it would have been easier to think that we were right okay <laughs> but with taylor here everything is really going in the direction that we talked about in terms that we ha- you have the young emerging runner you have this ability to do a lot with the receptions now the workload has actually been much lower than I expected. And so from that perspective, I mean, Taylor has been fantastic, but I was actually wrong on Taylor because part of this here is that you want to combine this really high expected points workload with the ability to outperform that. That's one of the things that we always kind to talk about. You want to get that EP profile into the 20 range. And then when you hit on these seasons that the top guys, we're not talking about everybody, you know, it's not likely to happen for a Najee Harris who both has some issues in terms of being able to create the type of big plays that you need in order to have that point above expectation and is in an offense where, you know, his teammates are not actually going to create those opportunities. You know, the the Cedars offensive line has some issues, that kind of thing. And so projecting him out, you know, we have him toward the top end of EP, which is actually how it's worked out, but then also toward the bottom end of FPOE, which is also how it's turning out. I feel like Harris is a guy that more or less nailed exactly Taylor has not been at the EP level that we were looking for. And as I was watching this game and you, know, you watch the things pop up on the bottom line as you're going through, I tend to watch, you know, four or five, six games in that early stretch, you know, more or less simultaneously, switching between games, fast forwarding, all that kind of thing. And whatever game the Texans are involved in is usually not one of the ones that I'm doing because that's not one of the more exciting games there on a Sunday morning. So you watch those things pop up on the bottom line and, and you're like, well, is Taylor involved? Is Taylor involved? What are the Colts doing? And then you see the final line pop up and you're like, okay, well, this was a good game. That's what Taylor's supposed to do. You go back through and watch the game. And this one was absolutely bizarre because I mean, Taylor just was not part of the first half game plan, it was almost like they were saying, let's wear the Texans down and then we'll let Taylor play in the second half. If he breaks some big plays, then great. If not, you know, we'll just focus on the next week. Now, <sighs> if you believe the Texans are that bad and you know, you're a a one in four team, you're that confident that you're going to get the victory, then I I guess you can do that. And this is a longer season teams that have some superstars are, and and, you know, Taylor has had the rumors of a little bit of knee swelling. And so it could be something where they really are trying to manage those reps because he's not 100%. But I mean, you think about this being a not 100% Taylor and it, it gets you pretty excited again, for the long term given that we've now seen christian mccaffrey go on ir I mean, hopefully that just means he's going to need a couple more weeks that's not any kind of you know his career is over or his season's over or anything like that but when you look at taylor's explosive ability when you look at his youth we talk about these windows now you know someone like a derrick henry is in many ways already outside of the main dynasty window for a running back and one of the things that you know, we also do mention it's just because there's a window that exists. That doesn't mean that every single guy is going to fit that. Some of the best fantasy seasons that we've had are players like a Marshall Falk, a Lady and Tomlinson, a priest Holmes who had those seasons outside of the window. So not only can some guys do it, but some of the biggest seasons ever have come in that range. And so a Christian McCaffrey, especially would be someone we would expect has the potential to score in that range. But when you look at where the two guys are, The direction that they're going right now, I think that Jonathan Taylor has to go to number one overall as a dynasty running back.
1: NFL football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find NFL tickets anymore. Because TechPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. One of my bucket list items is certainly to head on over and see my Green Bay Packers over in Green Bay Lambeau Field. I'm super excited to see how this season plays out for the Packers, whether it's the Packers or any other team that you want to head and get in on the action this season and attend a game, whether it's a home game for your favorite team or it's on the road, TickPick has you covered. Visit TickPick.com/slash/rotoviz today and use the promo code Rotoviz to save 10% on your first order. So if you're thinking of going to a game this season, don't wait. Head on over, get those tickets, use the code Rotoviz. that is techpick.com
0: slash Rotoviz. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
3: No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment, and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
1: Sean, I teased it a few moments ago, but we are going to go into tight ends in just one moment, but I have one question that... I think it's going to be another, like, you know, it could be a question that goes on for the, the rest of this podcast for the next 300 episodes, but the the Seahawks, obviously Chris Carson dealing with an injury, Alex Collins, maybe dealing with an injury. There is reports that uh, Penny could be ready to go this, this week, potentially. Is this the time for Rashad Penny?
2: It's always Rashad Penny time, right? <laughs> All we need to do is.
1: Feels like that's probably the maybe ninth or 10th time we've, discussed that on the, the podcast over the, the years but it'd be nice it'd be nice if this was the time
2: it would be nice by always we obviously mean never and so we will be picking up any as many leagues as possible he's going to go out there and either run into the line and fall down or he's going to immediately pull something and then we'll be kind of looking at you know who's going to catch the most passes between Travis Homer and DJ Dallas uh, how is this Seattle Seahawks offense, you know, going to move the ball and, you know, Colin, you just got to keep going to the next guy. Well, it's one of the things that we talk about from time to time is that the great part of zero RB is that when these backups go in, it's often very clear who is going to have the role, make the plays, score the points in a fantasy weekend and, you then every once in a while, there will be some plays that come out of the blue. And Kenyon Drake goes from not participating really all the past couple of weeks to scoring a couple of touchdowns in this new Las Vegas Raiders offense. The other game that came a little bit out of nowhere, we had some carries for Mondray Stevenson the previous week. But in this one, the total opportunities were way down. But Colin, what was exciting to see him get the goal line carry, execute that after Damian Harris had been stopped, He had some targets, including some downfield targets, where he showed this size-agility combination that makes him so intriguing as a potential future three-down back for the Patriots. Now, Harris has been pretty good, right? I don't think that he's going to be at a level where he gets completely pushed aside. But especially with James White out, Stevenson does get... Pretty interesting now going forward. So we have some backfields that are in flux. I think the Seahawks backfield uh, is going to be one of those that gives all of the running back managers trouble. Whether you had Chris Carson and now it's very frustrating because you're not getting the early round value. If you had Penny or even Alex Collins as your zero RB fill-in and thought you were going to get some points there, and, and Collins came through for a couple of weeks and, and did what we needed him to do when we had him in the lineup, so that was good to see. It's you know too bad. That he's injured if that did have to happen you know it probably saves some people going forward because this next week it would be a tricky decision if you're going to have both penny and collins healthy together you know how, how does that play out you might get into a little bit of trouble there but it, it does look like it's just trouble going forward right and we're going to try and pick up penny but you're going to try not to start him because this could be a travis homer game
1: yeah the and for a penny and for a pound is a an old saying but i feel like we've been in for uh um, penny a number of times what 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 harms one more sean let's let's do it again but um we are so much like i mentioned at the start of the show to talk about based on the weekend lots of the players we like had very nice weeks but a lot of those players we will spread throughout the week we'll talk about the likes of you know cd lamb uh, i keep you know sean mentioned henry ruggs a lot in the offseason ruggs another nice game here but i think uh you know some of the players that we talked a huge amount this offseason about and one of them we actually talked it might have been after week two sean was mike isicky we talked about the over-unders of like was he just going to completely not work out this year you know hawkinson's in there and mark andrews is a couple of nice back-to-back weeks in there uh kelsey while you know quiet for kelsey standards still um it receptions 99 yards coming from him but i mentioned to you before the show and we had a couple of teams as well including our main event team which is now in first place on record and points in the uh over at the ffpc which is tight end premium we did roll with a uh, fant Kaseki double and a few of those and uh, i actually had three lineups this week with with that pairing in it so that worked out very very well um you know fant having nine catches 97 yards and caught that late touchdown and Uh, then Gasecki 8 for 115 in the game over in London so um, very very impressive overall from the two of those and when you're playing tight end premium it's going to help you a lot if you can get your tight ends having that sort of production and gaining those targets 20 targets between both guys
2: this was really exciting Colin because like you mentioned we've got these guys in a lot of places the uh, chasing stolen bananas team that I was fortunate enough to be able to draft with Pat and Pete and Ben on ship chasing is now back into first place in terms of total points. Uh, our record doesn't have us there record wise, but obviously the points is the other big deal. And, you know, Gasicki got a zero in week one. And it looked like this is going to be a, a strong team, but maybe tight end is the weakness. You know, how do we cover that up? Uh, fortunately, in the interim, we've been able to add Dawson Knox, so that gives us a little bit of backup, although Knox now has picked up an injury in the Monday night game. But to have this sort of transition from week one to where he is now, Mike Kosicki really emerging and kind of papering over the absence of Saquon Barkley on that. Chasing stolen bananas team, so it's, it's exciting to see him do that. He's one of the guys that we thought would take a step forward uh, in many ways, a big receiver, but the agility that he has and the ball skills that he has, you know, sometimes even for the good tight ends, they look a little bit uncomfortable catching the ball. Uh, that is not the case for Mike Kasek. He does that very smoothly, heads up field. Uh, this in a game here where Devontae Parker was out, and it was a lot of fun for these teams, and that team was one. Uh, ben and I have some others based on, you know, always being in this back half where we have a lot of Jalen Waddle. Those two guys, huge games with the lack of other targets to take some balls away there. But the other guy, and Colin, this was sort of our guy from the very beginning of the offseason. And for a while, it got to, to almost feel a little touch and go, right? Because we also like Jerry G. We also like KJ Hamler. I'm trying to pretend that Hamler doesn't exist, so we don't have to think about the sadness of not having him.
1: I thought you were going to say trying to pretend that Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback of this offense, but uh.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, and th- this has been a great season, right? Our teams are doing extremely well, so this is very, very far away from the darkest timeline. But in the very brightest timeline, Aaron Rodgers would have moved to the the Denver Broncos, and KJ Hamler would have stayed healthy. He would be on his way to a young. Deshaun Jackson type of season. We can see the air yards that this offense puts up. Cortland Sutton just really breaking the air yards calculators every week with the massive totals that he has there. Uh, If you have Jerry Judy, you're really just on the edge of your seat waiting for him to come back because, you know, it's not something where you say, oh, well, Sutton's doing this. You know, Jerry's better. He's going to go out there and do more. I mean, the takeaway is that Cortland Sutton is back. And he's recovered from the injury. He's very, very good. If anything, you know, maybe there should be concern. Well, no, Judy won't get the volume now that he might have been able to get if he had been healthy right from the jump. But I guess I'm mildly encouraged about how well Bridgewater has played. But wrap this back around to Noah Fant, and he looks fantastic, right? One of the things that I felt last year was even when he was generating that volume, you compare him to Albert O, and he just doesn't look as fluid. You could see a situation in which if the wide receivers were really good, he would be phased out a little bit. Not, you know, not go to zero, but if you're going to spend a tight end pick in that range, the tight end has to perform. One of the things that we see all the time is the tight ends going in that range where Fant was going have actually not returned very well at all, right? Those tend to be the guys that are reached for and then they fit in the same group. They go back to the pack and you know, if you're in the pack, it would have made a lot more sense just to have the Gasicki or to have the guy who's drafted in round 12, round 13, scores about the same number of points, and you still have the early draft pick. So, I mean, Fant needs to not just be decent. He needs to be good. And to have him play this game where he was wide open throughout. And so I think you have to give him a lot of credit for that. He gets the garbage time touchdown. I think there's always that temptation when guys really finish off their week That way to think, okay, well, this could have gone a little bit differently and then you don't have the game. I want to be aware of when the guy scored. And certainly, you know, probably if we could just have, you know, seven or eight guys as our theme music people, DeAndre Swift would have moved into that group. He's scoring a ton of points. He has the high EP points. He looks like a great receiver. He's doing exactly what we talked about him doing. So that's been exciting. It's nerve wracking that so much of it has come in the last three or four minutes of games because if those last three or four minutes go in a different way, then you're taking a ton of points off the table. This wasn't the case for Fan, right? He's wide open throughout this game. His targets were peppered all throughout the game. He actually had a beautiful almost catch of a touchdown earlier in the game. I believe – I was watching it through the shortcuts, but I believe the Broncos actually even challenged the play. Uh, his was toenail
1: snap. was there of play. His, his toenail hit the back of the end zone.
2: Yeah, yeah. So – I mean, it could have been a bigger game. I think that, and and maybe the target was assigned to someone else, but I think that his other non-catch, he was 11 targets, nine receptions. I think that his other failed reception was also in the end zone. And so you you think about kind of how big that game could have been. You look at the peripherals there. You look at Cortland Sutton and how he's able to draw the coverage off of Fant and create a lot of room to work with underneath. Even with Teddy Bridgewater not being a star, and even with you know some of this production coming late in the game, I mean, this still is a game where they got blown out by the Raiders, which I think from a reality perspective is not a good result when you think of all the turmoil the Raiders were dealing with. But both of these teams still, you know, 4-2, 3-3, and, two, three and three, they played reasonably difficult schedules in terms of the Raiders. We know that the Broncos beat the bad teams. They've lost to the good teams. But this is probably a matchup between two teams that are a little bit better than the perception might suggest. And so... Really love what Fant is doing there. And as you mentioned, we had the the duo in some of our lineups. We had to put Kosicki in early to make sure we didn't lose out on flex players with inactives later in the day. And so, so much of the time when you have the game staggered all throughout the weekend, you can lose some options because you have to play it safe. Uh, In this game, the way the uh, games were staggered, it, it really helped us.
1: Yeah, it really it really did work out. Uh, you mentioned Swift as well. If it was a case that you know it was a, if you're in any leagues that only count points from the last you know six minutes of the game, I think he could possibly be the one and one. But uh, you mentioned Fant. I think the scenario of how this game played out with them being behind may actually help him in the long run if they are behind in games. There was you know a couple of the games in those opening weeks where they played teams you know that were are, are now knowing the records are are very poor teams and it wasn't overly needed to to force up those targets so i think if they're behind him it actually increase his targets the other thing we haven't really seen from him yet is that kind of explosive play with yards after the catch and if we can sneak a couple of those in over the the next two months i think um, fant will be going into that tier that you mentioned he, he felt in the draft season like he was in that group of three or four and the tier below Hawkinson, it feels now like he's starting to climb up, but it also feels like Hawkinson's probably climbing close to that top tier as well. But a lot of the drafts that I would have done in yeah. basketball or and season long as well, I talked about trying to get the likes of Waller or Hawkinson, and then trying to pair that up with gasecki or Fant, you know, and specifically in tight end premium, but this was a week where where that tended to work out pretty well but that's going to take us to the end of today's show we will be back on thursday and saturday as well with uh, the three shows a week as we have been doing we may have a bonus show for you on sunday again we've said about the bonus q a show thanks to everyone who sent in questions we will be getting to that either this week or next week but likely to post Either this sunday or the following sunday just based on scheduling of course check out all of sean's work as well up on rotoviz.com and of course the stadium bananas podcast with ben Gretz. the sunday show is must listen to what well, i say sunday show it's monday morning early early monday morning uh, recorded on sunday night from the guys and then and then posted up monday morning to talk through some of the instant reaction things from that week of course, if you want to get yourself a listeners only discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass, you can add the code RVRadio2021 at checkout or go to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. That gets you access to all of the content and tools up on the website. Uh, I would highly, highly recommend doing that. Drop us a written interview on your favorite podcast app. And, uh, you know, if you're listening to 300 episodes so far and you haven't dropped one, please take uh, five minutes to drop one. We would greatly appreciate it. My name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtome ireland and as always sean siegel is the co-host here on the podcast check out sean's work including some of the stuff we talked about on today's show up on rotavis.com and until we're back on thursday have a good one